With war being waged in Gaza, military strategists are obviously seeking all types of methods and ways to deal with the war. And every war has its unique personality. This one poses particular challenges, as we know. And frankly, the war is not just in Gaza, it's also in the media. A war over our minds and our hearts, information, propaganda. A surprising place that most of us may not think of where you can find military strategies is in the holiday that we're about to enter the holiday of Hanukkah, Festival of Lights. Which also came as a result of a war. And we discover, when we look a little deeper into it, both surprising and counterintuitive, counterintuitive methods and strategies. So please join me in this special Hanukkah program, military strategies, lessons learned from Hanukkah. Hi, this is Simon Jacobson, and we'll be speaking about military strategies, lessons learned from Hanukkah. This program is dedicated by Moshe and Sipora Reitman and family in loving memory of Henya Freidel Bas Edel on her first yard site, 22nd of Kislev. Nobody likes war. Nobody wants to fight a war at least not healthy people. And yet, at the times that we're forced to do so, we need to do it wisely, strategically. And hence, there are military strategies. From the art of war that go back, goes back thousands of years to various different books, and theories developed over the years of hardened battlers that fought different wars. We discover all types of methods. And every battle and every war has its own personality based on the objectives, based on the terrain, based on different factors. So as the Israeli military wages war in Gaza to try to eradicate a sworn enemy that has demonstrated what they want to do and what they're capable of doing. I'm sure the military strategists and the brilliant ones in Israel who unfortunately have been hardened and have been tested are working and developing all kinds of methods, especially today with technology to minimize the risks to the military, 
minimize the casualties of civilians and to achieve the objectives of this war. But a place that many may not be looking at for, the, for strategies is the holiday we're about to enter, the holiday of Hanukkah, Festival of Lights, which also came after a battle. And they're fascinating and even counterintuitive methods and strategies that we can glean, we can learn from Hanukkah. Let's talk about four of those lessons. But first, a little history. Hanukkah took place at a time when the Jewish people lived in Israel, the time of the Second Temple, but they were not completely free. The Greco-Syrians were in control, and though they allowed the Jews to some extent to practice, but from time to time, whenever they felt they were threatened or that the Jews were trying to do an uprising, they tried to suppress them, and many times they desecrated and defiled the Holy Temple. And this was one such time when the Temple was desecrated by the Syrian king Antiochus and his cohorts, and a battle was fought. The Maccabees, a minority, meaning much smaller army than the Greeks or the Syrians, Greco-Syrians, but they won the battle. And as we say in the prayer, that the mighty were conquered by the few, the strong were conquered by the weak. And they won the battle. And that allowed them to rededicate the desecrated temple, rededicate the altar, rededicate the menorah. Because all the oil, the pure olive oil that was necessary, was defiled. And the Hanukkah, of course, is the festival of light, as, the, as we're told. What happened? That though they could not find healthy, or we can say pure olive oil, the miracle, first miracle was they found a crucible that was sealed, the seal of the high priest. Second miracle was this crucible was only enough to burn one night and burn for eight until they were able to produce new oil. And hence, we celebrate Hanukkah. So the big question is asked, that seems almost incidental, the lighting of the flames, of the candles. Why is that the primary mitzvah, the primary and central way we celebrate Hanukkah. And the war we mentioned perhaps in the prayer and other places, but it was really the battle. If you did not win that battle, they would never have been able to rededicate and light the menorah in the, in the, in the first place. The answer is given is because it was a spiritual war. It wasn't a physical war. Well, it was a physical war in the sense, yes, there were armies fighting, but the reason, the cause behind it was not physical. The Syrians, the Greco-Syrians, were not interested in physically destroying the Jewish people. They weren't fighting over land. They were fighting over ideology. The Greeks at the time were advocating morals, ethics, philosophy. But why do you bring holiness into it? Why are you sanctifying it? Why are you bringing God into the picture? So the victory over them was not just a 
physical victory, it was a victory of ideology. That the Jewish people, though they were few, but qualitatively, they were fighting for what? For light. They weren't fighting for material success, for light. To understand that to be able to live a moral, ethical life, you need to have a foundation that is beyond human and human logic and human reason. A transcendent purpose in life. So that's why we celebrate, because that's what light represents. We celebrate. The battle was over light. The light of what? The light of a mitzvah? The light of Torah? Where the Greeks argued, Torah is fine as a philosophy, as an ideology, but not, why are you talking about God's Torah? You rise for it, you kiss it, you dance with it, you worship it. Worship it as in worshiping God, because God is within that Torah. It's human. And same thing with mitzvot, ethical good deeds, great. But why are you calling them mitzvah secha, God's mitzvahs? That is built on a foundation that's greater than what is man-made. So how do you celebrate a victory like that? You celebrate it by the very essence of what you were fighting for. You were fighting to bring light into this world, a higher light, a higher experience of transcendent and higher consciousness. So there we have lesson number one from Hanukkah. A real war is not about a specific item. That may be part of the strategies. The real strategy is to recognize what are you fighting for. Take Vietnam. The mighty military of the United States was no match for the Viet Cong. And yet, the United States did not win the war. Because it wasn't a war simply about territory. It was a war about ideology. And the military, American military, the U.S. military, lost sight. They had no idea what they're fighting for. What light are we fighting for? The Viet Cong, it was their land. It was the war was on their turf. It was their passion. They were completely committed. So in other words, a war is far more psychological than it is the military. If you don't feel that sense of urgency that you're here to bring light into the world, you cannot win a war even if you're dealing with an out and with, with, uh, with military that are far, far, you outnumber them because they're fighting for a cause. What is the cause here? Not just don't kill our men, women, and children. The cause is here is that the Jewish people from the beginning of time were chosen by God and promised a land, not just where to live, to have shelter over your head. That's the technical part, is to bring light into the world, to bring light into this land, and from this land export that light to the entire world. Different between a house and a home. A house, you have a roof over your head, it protects you from the elements, from rain, from uh, hostile forces. So you have a house. A home is more than that. A home is a hearth. Not just a place of refuge. A place where you can thrive. Where you can kick off your shoes. Where you can be with your family. Where you learn how to love and be loved. A house of light. 
that was what the Jewish people always represented, and that's what Israel represented. So that's lesson and strategy number one. The strategy is, remember what the war is really about. Yes, you need to do things and deal with the enemy in all the other ways, but it's critical that everyone fighting the war understands what light you're bringing light into the world. And that creates that sense of gravitas, the sense of urgency, the sense of purpose that is so critical in a, in a successful battle. It also a sense of confidence that you will absolutely prevail. This is also true for all battles and wars. Many people get caught up in battles with friends, with relatives, siblings, strangers. At some point, what are you fighting? Is it just about your pride? What do you stand for? We all know that lawyers make a lot of money when there's litigation on both sides. An honest lawyer will say, what are you fighting for? It's not worth it. But people feel like, have to win. And sometimes then when you win, you lose. That's an example where the battle is being fought without the light element. So Hanukkah tells us, yes, there are battles, but the key is to remember, what do you stand for? What is your light? How are you going to shine through this battle? Through vanquishing the, ad the adversary. So that is strategy number one. Number two. Light naturally dispels darkness. When you look at fire on water, for instance, so enough fire can evaporate large bodies of water. Enough water going on of equals of equals and each one can win over the other let's look at darkness and light you see a dark room how do you fight darkness what do you do there's no weapon in the world the only way is you bring in light you shine a little light and automatically without a battle the darkness dis dissipates, is, is dispelled. Obviously, if it's a big room, there's a lot of darkness, you need a bigger light. But in the area where the light shines, it's automatic. Think of also concept of knowledge and ignorance. An ignorant person or an ignorant, or ignorant society is the absence of reason is really no match for intelligence. It thrives in the vacuum where there is an absence of intelligence. Just like darkness thrives when there's an absence of light. But if you bring information, knowledge, intelligence, the truth, then the ignorance will automatically dissipate. I mean, of course, people like to hold on to it and they don't want to hear the truth, but I'm talking about if you shine the light. And the same is true in all forms, in all battles and all battlefronts. To recognize that strategy number one, what you're fighting for, the light you want to bring into this world, once you have that clarity and that crystallization, it automatically will dissipate the darkness. Now you'll say, what does that mean? Just because you have clarity, that's why the enemy doesn't want to kill you? We see that they, they definitely want to, and they have, unfortunately. But it means, especially in the long term, and even in the short term, 
that ultimately what you have going for you is something is that you recognize that you are not an equal to the other. Yes, you have to fight the battles and they may have a time and upper hand, but you come something with your, in your arsenal that ultimately is not a match for the enemy. And that is the clarity, the light, what you stand for. And that automatically dispels darkness. How does that translate into military strategy? That sometimes the battle is not about firepower. It's not about how strong you are, how, how much ammunition you have. It's about being wise. If you can avoid a situation, if you can outmaneuver your enemy, the battle can be won without shooting a, a, a bullet, without even using your weapons. You need them because of the situation. You outmaneuver, you outsmart. And when you outsmart, that's what means that light naturally dispels darkness. It also gives us another way of looking in general at the evil in this world. Evil is a match for good when good is not there or you're not fighting for it. So then evil can, can rear its ugly head and dominate. But when you bring clarity, you shine, evil has no way to stand up to that. And you say, one second, in history we've had many evil forces that were very powerful and all the truth in the world couldn't do anything. It is true because we live in a world where that can happen. But again, the long term, the bigger picture is that light dispels darkness. So on a personal level, there's two ways you can deal with someone who's an adversary. You can get into a struggle, an argument, debate the issues, and usually you won't, both will not end up changing your minds. Or you can show kindness and love. In other words, it's not about I'm going to engage with you in a battle. You bring light into the picture. Look at, let's say, spouses that disagree, parents and siblings, friends that have fallen out with each other. You bring in light and the light automatically dissipates, dispels the darkness. How does that translate in a war with real enemies like Hamas? It's not just a matter I'm going to bring them flowers or shine a light or be show love. That obviously is not going to work. But it's about you. You don't want to be defined by them. And they were, therefore, it's not two equal adversaries. The light is always superior to the darkness. But you have to feel it. And interestingly, when you feel it, the enemy also feels it. They see just a this surge of confidence, this, this commitment. So that's strategy number two. Strategy number three. There are two opinions, actually, how we light the menorah. There's Hillel and Shammai, the classic disagreeers, if you wish, in the Talmud. Hillel says you light the menorah, every night you light another light. Night one, first candle. Night two, night two the second and you build up. Shammai says, no, you begin with eight candles and you work your way down till you get to one. They have their different reasons. But these are two strategies in military. Do you begin a war by deploying and mobilizing and deploying all your troops and all your weapons, you know, give them the strongest, or do you go step by step? Let's begin softening the enemy. Then we grow in our extension, expansion, until finally we come in full force on the eighth day, with all eight flames, candles.
Hillel's approach. Or do you begin with all your firepower? Shammai's approach. Now in each battle, in each war, it's case by case, depending on what the circumstances are. Sometimes it's important to have this type of like blitzkrieg, where you just, with a flash, you demolish your enemy. Israel did that very effectively in the Six-Day War. That within hours, they demolished the entire airfields of Egypt and Jordan. But at times you can't do it that way. In Gaza, one would argue you can't really do it that way because everything is so um, obfuscated, subterfuge, tunnels, surprise attacks, guerrilla warfare. So first you have to gather a lot of intelligence, then you can come in. But we see from Hanukkah that these two approaches are legitimate approaches. The halacha, meaning the final ruling, is like Hillel, step by step, which makes sense in most cases, that you don't begin with your full onslaught. Besides you, that you don't want to reveal to your enemy all your resources, it's also maybe not always wise to begin that way. If you can achieve something with lesser investment, so to speak, and lesser attack, it may work better. And you also save the best for last, so to speak. You save your strength, you save your resources. But there are times where you have to do it that way. So Hanukkah again teaches us these two strategies. So there we have, so far, three things. The very essence of your battle, what is the light of it, its vision, its mission. Number two, the natural dissipation, the natural dispelling of darkness through light. And number three, whether you come in full onslaught and you work your way down, or the other way around, you go step by step and you work your way up until you bring all the, your weapons and your entire military into the picture. And we know both are legitimate in different circumstances. The fourth lesson that we learn from Hanukkah. The battle is not fought inside your home. It's fought at the door facing outward. That's where we light the candles. Interesting. There are things that you do, mitzvot and good deeds, you do at home. Shabbat, a Seder table. Many things we do in our homes or in our synagogues. But Hanukkah has something unique. It says you light the candles. A Pesach Besi at the door of your home, facing outward. Because indeed, both elements are critical. You need to have a strong home. But your home has to be untouched by the battles outside you. Kiseitse, we go out to wage war. It's not who we are. You always remain something higher than the fray. But you do go out. So on one hand, you're grounded into your home because it's on the door of your home, but it's facing outward. Because the battle is to be fought where the enemy is, where the darkness is. And we light the candles in the evening when the sun sets. All indicating states of concealment, of darkness. This is critical because it means you do never become a warrior. You may be an excellent warrior, but that's not your identity. Your identity is who you are at home. By necessity, you have to put on the garments, the military garments, to fight the war outside. But it doesn't define who you are. Which gives you much more strength that when you fight the battles, you have an identity. You don't become the battle. You don't even become the battler. 
<clears throat> but it is a battle. We are fighting the darkness when the sun sets, as it was during the time of Hanukkah, fighting real enemies, with the goal of shining light that naturally dispels the darkness of the night. So there you have four lessons, and there are definitely many more that we can derive and draw from Hanukkah that can affect and impact our lives and our personal battles, but also collectively on the battles being fought in Israel today. It is a battle between Kedusha, holiness and light, and darkness. What the land of Israel wants is to live in peace. Leave us be, let us all serve God, including you Muslims, including whatever title people apply themselves with, Palestinians. That's what we want. We want light for all of us. But you bring darkness to our lives. You bring darkness to the door. You bring darkness to the front lines. So if need be, we will fight the darkness. But ultimately, we fight it through light tools, what we stand for. <clears throat> it's not who I am. So like we spoke about in point number one and in point number two, that the battle's about light and light naturally dispels darkness, that's the attitude we need to have. So we fight with everything we have, with all our tools, but the ultimate goal is to bring peace. The ultimate goal is to bring light that naturally dispels the darkness and that connects and binds what's in your home and what's outside. That there's a bridge. We all have to go out of the, our homes for, simply for work, for other purposes. That's not how the world was created. And there you'll, you will find advers, adversity and you will find challenges. But you come well, well armed. So there's no challenge that, can, you, can over, that you cannot overcome. And as, my, as Nachmanides writes, he says, Hanera Salolo, these candles will never be extinguished. The temple menorah and candelabra and the candles were extinguished at some point. They were near tamid, meaning a flame that had to burn all the time, but they were destroyed, first by the Babylonians and then by the Romans. But Hanera Salolo, says the Rambam, these candles, they will never be destroyed. So you see an eternity, a power that comes out of this darkness, which leads us to a fifth lesson. At the end of the day, the point is not just to overcome darkness, but to become stronger in the process. What we say, the yisun er the greater light, the more powerful light that comes through darkness. And indeed, the very olive oil also represents that. As the Talmud says, that an olive does not produce oil until you press it. Pressure. So for some people, pressure is unwanted, but pressure in the right context is what forces you to get out of your comfort zone to become from good to excellent, from good to great. So you turn your liabilities into assets. And that concludes the lessons that we learned from Hanukkah doesn't conclude it because I'm sure you can apply these ideas and come up with more ideas. I'm, I'd love to hear that. But 
These are five powerful lessons that can help us literally with the military strategy in Israel and the strategies that we have to employ everywhere in the world. What are you fighting for? What do you stand for? You stand for bringing light into this world. And when you bring light through love, through kindness, through generosity. Yes, and we have the mitzvot, and we have all the good deeds we do, but they're all, as Hillel said, the whole Torah is coming to teach us, don't do unto others that you don't want done unto you. It's coming to teach us love. That's the essence of what we call the inner dimension, which indeed is also expressed in the olive, the olive oil. When you press the olive, deeper strengths come out. When you're challenged, new levels of resilience emerge. So there you have lessons, real relevant lessons, in the time of our battles, of how we can overcome these battles, how to fight them properly, with confidence, with assuredness, with knowledge. And think back thousands of years ago, and they faced their darkness, and battles were fought, but what, what remains? A festival of lights, to bring light into the world. A little light can dispel much darkness. It's a lesson we all need to hear, but especially in our times where people are groping and seeking and desperately seeking deeper meaning, purpose, because it's not business as usual. Everyone knows that. Everyone feels it. Much more communion coming together. Tremendous volunteerism going on. But let's translate that, not just into your humanitarian effort, but into a spiritual revolution that ultimately transforms the world of these points, including idea that even from the negative forces we come away with the greatest blessings god bless you god bless israel god bless all the people there who are who are who are under attack and may we finally merit as the prophet says a world where there will be no longer evil and destruction because the world will be filled with divine knowledge as the waters cover the sea may all our Military, may all the innocent people in that region be well and intact, come out stronger than ever, eradicating all the negative forces, and may we indeed march from this from this mini redemption into the full scale, the full blown redemption where the entire world will recognize that it's not an end in itself. Every part of existence is a means to a higher spiritual divine end. That's really what Jews represent. And when you come to appreciate that, then you have a very different attitude to everything that's going on right now. It all began in that home, that very fascinating home of Abraham, as I've been discussing. And ultimately, it all teaches us that we will prevail. Goodness will prevail over, over evil, as light prevails over darkness. That is the story of Hanukkah, a universal message to all of us, a perpetual message that has to be shared again and again and again. So we have before us these strategies, which we could also employ in our personal lives. It's always good to have a mentor, to run things by, you can't just do things from a book, but we have the principles. So with that, I want to wish everyone a very happy Hanukkah. I want to wish everybody a very happy, illuminating life. May we do our part to illuminate every corner of the world with this extraordinary light, the indestructible light. And may we continue to shine and illuminate everyone we come in contact with 
until we bring so much power, so much light, so much energy, E equals MC squared, where the energy dominates, and the material world is just an outer shell, surface that expresses those energies. God bless you. Thank you so much. This has been Simon Jacobson, MeaningfulLife.com, where you can comment, suggest anything you'd like to add. You can rebut, argue, and please also subscribe to our growing YouTube channel, Meaningful Life Center, as well as check out all our offerings on Instagram and other platforms, WhatsApp. And again, please share. I'd love to hear from you because at the end of the day, we are all parts of one larger cosmic light that has manifested itself in all the different expressions that we are, one large tapestry. And when you live up to your purpose, then that means that others will learn from that. And slowly, if every person on earth understood their general purpose, we would have none of these problems. So, everybody be well, be blessed. And I look forward to continuing programs with your suggestions and support. Be well. Bye-bye. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.